Hey, hey, what's up, you guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Nick Talk uh, with me, your host, Nikki James. And season two, I really wanted to focus on cool jobs. So um, I had some friends of mine put me in touch with a man by the name of Jim Kaufman. He is a music producer. Um, and I didn't know a whole lot about what went into that. So I thought it would be a good idea to shed some light on the day-to-day ongoings of a music producer. And uh, this one is just uh, really, really cool. He's uh, very well known, and he's also a composer, an engineer, a mixer, and an entrepreneur. He has studios here in Los Angeles and in Sedona, Arizona, and he's the co-owner of The Song Factory in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Jim deals with a lot of different types of music, and so we're going to find out a little bit about the kind of things that he deals with and what got him to where he is, and uh, hopefully we can shed some light on what being a music producer is all about. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Jim Kaufman. Hey, Nikki, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. So let's start with um, what came first, the musician, songwriter, producer, composer? How did you start? Uh, I, I, I started playing piano when I was maybe three or four years old. My mom put me in piano lessons, um, which I think is, you know, I, I, I liked it for a long time. Then I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she used to like set the microwave timer and make me practice for an hour a day. Uh, and I hated it at times. Uh, part of that was like, just make any music any make any sound you want. So I would sometimes just sit there and like, you know, bang on the keys. And then that started leading me into writing. Um, I started playing guitar at like maybe seven or eight. And by the time I was maybe 12, I was playing in a band, playing shows, writing my own songs kind of thing. At 12? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where did you play at 12? Well, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I played at this local club called the Mason Jar, which is like where you play when you start if you're a musician in Phoenix. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, you know, I, I just really loved song. I've always loved song. It's a great, it's like the universal language to me. So um, the, when I started making my own demos, uh, that's when I realized that my passion really relies in, in making recordings so that these songs can kind of live forever and they're documented. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You, you, that's really early. I read on one of your um, websites that you started playing, like playing, playing at five years old, the piano. And then uh, I think we talked earlier and you said uh, that you were classically trained. So you went on to pursue that, didn't you? Uh, I mean, I was classically trained, you know, when I was a little kid, you could put sheet music down in front of me and I could play whatever, but that all kind of fell out the window. uh, And when I, when I started writing songs and playing the guitar, Okay. Because for me, like, you know, there are no rules in music and Mm -hmm. being too classically trained can hold you back from breaking the classical rules. Okay. I I kind of went, when I, when I found guitar and rock music and I started playing in rock bands, you kind of away from my training, it was a good backbone. uh, But I, I can't, I mean, I can't, you know, sight read anymore. Um, yeah. I wish I could now, but uh. <laughs> well, you're you're too busy now. Now you're you're behind the scenes. You're making all the magic. Um, so that leads me to my next question: what What is a producer like? What does a day in the life of a producer look like for you? Um, well, I guess if you're if you're not musical, p- people probably the easiest way to, to to say what a producer is is kind of like the director of a film. 
Okay. So it's your job to source all the different ingredients um, and, and put it together. It's your story that you're telling. So when I find an artist that I really love or, you know, a, a, a label has a band that they have a good vision, but it's not fully there. My job is to help, you know, tell the story of this music to the masses. Uh, okay. I'm kind of the filter. And, uh, you know, so, so every day is, is a little different for me. Um, obviously COVID has been a little weird, but um, usually, you know, I work with bands that, you know, hopefully we can develop a long-term relationship. You know, yeah. it's once you kind of crack the code of working with an artist, it's, that's a really hard thing to do. And it takes a long time to develop that language. Yeah. So, um, so I like to work with bands that, that keep coming back. And so, you know, you have a, a stable of clients that, that you kind of understand. And I like to make music that's in all different genres. So like I'll have a, I have a couple country guys, I've got a couple alternative bands. I've got a couple rock bands. I work with some pop guys and that just kind of, that kind of takes me through a cycle of, you know, I'll make a record for a band, then they'll go out on the road and tour it. And then they'll come back and we'll do another record. Oh, and, wow. You know, when, when the world is working, that's usually a two or three year cycle. People that don't know the music industry, um, do they come to you to get their, like, you know, their music produced and recorded? Do they already have it ready? It really depends on the client. There's some clients that, you know, like, like for instance, there's a band called Finish Ticket that I work with that they're, they're a band and they have a vision and they rehearse the songs and kind of get them ready. And then they come to me with the vision and I help like kind of steer that to where it works um, on the recording. Some other bands, like um, I develop a, a kid named Nathan Harrington that is a singer songwriter and he basically writes a song on an acoustic guitar. And then he comes to me and we figure out all the instrumentation, the drums, the keyboards, what else is going on. So it all just depends on the client, how developed the song is when it gets to me. Mm -hmm. Mostly I meet my clients just through word of mouth. Like, you know, if, if you're a kid growing up and you listen to a, a couple records that, that you like and you look at the back and I made them, then if you start a band, you're going to try to find me, you know? Like for yeah. me, when I was growing up, I listened to a lot of Dave Jordan's records or, or Rick Rubin's records. And I started to realize that these guys had a thing that I liked, um, which is what, you know, that's that's what I try to do. So it's just... It's a, it's, a, it's a combination of the return client and the new band that either found me through my work or through a mutual industry friend, like, a, you know, or a, an industry friend or a manager or a label that I've worked with. So. Okay. So, so people typically don't just call you up and say, hey, I've got a song. Can you, can you make it? Uh, I mean, there is some of that. My, my, my website will like, can, you can send something to, to me or my manager and, you know, we'll listen to it and see if it works. Yeah. Or a thing, but that's most of our work is, is, is just, you know, yeah. I mean, that does happen, but I, mostly I just get a call on my cell phone and it's like a guy that I've worked with that wants to introduce me to one of his bands that he knows from a different city or whatever, you know, right. word of mouth does most of the work. In true LA fashion. Um, I want to do a little name dropping. Tell me some of the, the funnest, coolest people that you've worked with. Um, well, when I, you know, when I was younger, I, I assisted, a producer that was producing my band named Charlie Clouser. And I got to work on a, on a, on a helmet record uh, when I was really young. And then, you know, I made, I've stayed friends with the helmet guys and doing some new work with helmet again, um, which is awesome. And there's um, that was probably when I was about 21. And because of that, like coming to LA, you meet like a whole bunch of other people. You kind of, it's, you know, there's these rock scenes or alternative scenes or 
country scenes. Like I have a whole Nashville thing. Um, but I work a lot with Danny Warsnop, the, the singer of Asking Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do all his solo stuff. Uh, I worked with this band Night Riots that I love, Beware of Darkness. Uh, I did the, uh, not the last Atlas Genius single, but the one before that called 63 Days. Atlas Genius is a great band from uh, Australia. Um, yeah, I've been spending a lot of time with that band Finish Ticket that I just told you about, that we have a record that we just finished. Um, and, you know, because of COVID, all production basically stopped, you know, a year right. ago. And then we had to figure out how to work remotely, which took like six months to, to iron out all of that stuff. It's just so much slower because everyone has to record on their own or everybody has to get virus tested. And then you get like a couple days in the studio together. Yeah. You know, just to be so, safe. So I work, I'm Dee Snyder's vocal engineer um, from mm-hmm. sister and he'll come over and like, you know, he sings in the other room and I'm in this room and that's okay. I'm also, I just had a baby. So I'm like trying to be, I've been trying to be really safe about the virus you know, family expansion and safety. So, yeah. Um, Wow. So if, what, what does it look like if they have to record in their own home? Like, does it sound completely different? Because I know the acoustics kind of. Yeah. I mean, you can't really do a lot of stuff like this. Like, you know, we still had to get together because I love to record like multiple musicians at the same time to pick up like a vibe, like a band laying down some soul. That's what I like. So that you have to do in here together, but you can do vocals remotely. And it all depends on the artist. Like Danny from Asking Alexandria, he's got his own studio at his house in Florida. So when we were together, it sounds great. He's got a great mic and you know, it's mostly just vocals. Um, and then a lot of, you know, a lot of back and forth it just takes a lot, a lot of time. What's the cost affiliated with having a producer produce something like, let's say your buddy calls you up, like you were saying, and um, they want to introduce you to these people. They want you to, you know, from day one, is it, uh, is it super expensive? Like can the average Joe like afford you? Um, the way I like to think about it is, is that you can't afford to not have a producer, you know, okay. um, because you sure you can, you have your laptop. Everybody's a record producer. Now they've got their, you know, Apple loops or whatever in logic or garage band. And you get a lot of that. And some of it's great, you know, like I have a lot of friends that they're like, you know, 10 year old kids making some pretty awesome stuff on his computer, you know, (laughs) but but, you know, if you're, if the Beatles needed a producer, you need a producer too, you know? Um, And it's just a, it's just a third party to help make sure that you don't get in your own way. It'd be very expensive, um, but it's very worth it. It's very much worth it. So what do you mean by that? So what, what do you see happen most when people get in their own way? Well, like there's a, there's a flow to things, you know, that is when you're the artist, it's really hard to see. Um, it's like a surgeon. You can't cut your own kid when you're a surgeon. You have to hire another surgeon to do surgery. On your, and you can't do that to your own song. Like your song is your baby, you know? Yeah. Like, oh my God, I have the song. It's amazing. And, and then you're supposed to like rip it apart and put it back together. So it's more commercially acceptable and more easy to swallow by the masses because you have to remember as a musician you can't make records for other musicians you have to make records for the for the mass populace you know yeah 98% of people aren't musical so my job is to take this idea that a very you know artistic musical person came up with and loves deeply yeah and 
chop it into pieces and put it back together and, and make it to where everybody can see their vision. And if you right. do it right, you don't, you don't actually lose any integrity artistically from the original idea. You just make it more easy to swallow. I mean, that's in most cases. There's, there's some bands too that like, you know, you're supposed to record 16 minute jam songs and that's fine. But um, I think our job as a record producer is to add value. Um, you know, it's, a, it's like a dilution process. We're like, we're, 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 you don't want to dilute. You, you want, and that's, the artists will constantly dilute themselves because they're yeah. adding ideas. I used to be a radio personality over in, uh, in England and I would constantly hear uh, musicians saying the reason that they didn't want to uh, like have all this professional interjection is because they felt like they would lose their authenticity. But I think what you're saying really makes sense. It's just that, you know, you're taking their authenticity, their idea, and you're just kind of molding it into what they maybe can't hear. Well, I think you nailed it. Authenticity is it, you know, the, the kids can hear through fake. And, and so if you can keep it authentic, but mm -hmm. make it more, more digestible, you win. Yeah. Um, that's what it's about. And it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. I mean, you know, it's, it's a very much a personal relationship that, that a producer has with the, with the artist. And and you can be a great producer, and they can be a great band, and it could some and it could sometimes not work. A lot of times it won't work. Mm. It, it really, it, it, you have to have the right aesthetic, yeah. um, and the right like bedside manner to deal with them personally, and also make their art the right way for them. Oh my gosh, that just that really just gave me like a mental image of all the people that you have to deal with. Have you ever dealt with someone who's like really eccentric and like wanted? candy in the room and I don't know. Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, you know, again, um, I have a, I'm really lucky to where I have like some, some clients that I, I continuously work with and like none of those guys are like that, but okay. I do have the occasional crazy band that comes through and, <laughs> and um, all bougie. Yeah. And you know, and that, but that's part of it. I mean, you know, that's, you have to be kind of crazy to really put yourself out there in the way that a great artist does. Yeah. You know, you have to be kind of like, you know, the singer is always a little bit nuts. <laughs> That's, so <laughs> That's so funny. That's a good way, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it because, you know, it's not something that the everyday person does. It's not often that people just go out and sing and have the confidence and they're like, hey, like me for my voice. That's hard to do. Yeah, putting yourself out there is, you have to be a little off to do it. You have to... <laughs> Uh, it's, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I, but I love it. I mean, music's to everything. I, I can't, I can't imagine life without music. And, and I feel super grateful to be able to help the artists that I, that I work with, um, yeah. you know, help them get their vision across. It's very serious. When your parents asked you when you were little, um, what you wanted to be when you grew up, did what, did it always involve that? Or did you want to be like an astronaut? Yeah. I was, I, you know, I wanted to be a firefighter until I found out <laughs> music happened, you know, but that happened early. I mean, I was, it was firefighter until I was about eight and then it yeah. was on, you know, um, <laughs> it was those two things. I still actually, you know, if I, I would be a firefighter. I think that sounds really fun for me. The California fires are nuts. It's crazy over here. I know. There's not much uh, in Arizona to even catch on fire, really. Well, I mean, there has been now. We've been having, I mean, I think everywhere is going to have more fires. It's the yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Tis the season, I guess, huh? Yeah.
Well, okay. So I wanted to talk about, um, you mentioned the Nashville thing. Um, the song factory is what I found. So tell me a little bit about that. How'd that come about? What's your affiliation with that? Uh, so the song factory is a publishing company. Uh, we focus on, on country music. Uh, I am a partner in the company. Uh, my, my, my partner, Jennifer and I own the, the publishing company together. Jennifer is on the ground in Nashville. Um, and we've been partners for 12 years or something like that. Um, oh. And during that time, we developed uh, John Party, uh, who's probably our most successful uh, artist that we signed and um, that we published. Uh, we did uh, Dustin Lynch, Ashley, Ashley McBride, um, you know, and so we, we, uh, do, should I explain publishing? Publishing, yeah. when you write a song, you, you, the publishing is totally different than the master recording, which is, I make master recordings when I produce. Publishing is, is the copyright of the song, which uh, you, you know, when you write it, you own it. But we do publishing deals to where you advance a writer um, for half of their copyright, which is the publishing. Um, and uh, we did that with John and developed him many years ago. We've got something like 4,000 songs in the catalog um, and, you know, had three or four number one hits and a bunch of top tens. Wow. And it's been great. You know, I, um, I love country music. Uh, I really love all music that has guitars to me. Yeah. Um, of the guitar and Nashville is super fun. It's uh, it's a lot different than the music I make in LA. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just a totally different different animal. But I'm super grateful for Nashville. It's been it's been a really fun thing for me to do over the last decade. So you had to pick a favorite because you know, like you were saying, you you've got metal, you've got country, all all this everything. What's your what's your favorite genre? I without like well, the acoustic. Well, I mean, my favorite. Favorite genre to produce or favorite genre to listen to? It's, I think they're two different things. All right, give me both. Well, making alternative records is really hard because everything has to, it, the, these days, alternative records, everything has to be treated in a very specific way and that, and it's different per song, you know? Making a rock record is super easy because it, it just sounds like a rock band and you, and you add some production and you mix it and it's a lot easier than doing an alternative record. So favorite to produce is probably alternative. Favorite to listen to, I listen to a lot of trip hop, which is like Portishead and Massive Attack stuff from the, you know, early 90s. Wow. So, yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Um, I got to ask the question that uh, that people that aren't visually watching right now are going <laughs> to, they're going to want to know, what what is this tattoo right here? Oh, it's the Arizona flag. See, see the flag behind me? Oh, I see it. Yeah. Well, I have like a, the whole my whole torso is like a desert scene oh, flying out of a desert scene and flying into the Arizona flag. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. I have like a bunch of different mountains and streams and stuff from Arizona and a cactus. Um, so it's my home, my homage to homage to my hometown, it's you know, all, all right there. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like you cannot be a, a musician these days unless you have some kind of visual tattoo. I love um, it. Yeah, I mean, I'm covered from like my, my neck down. <laughs> Are you? Body covered, yeah. When did you get your first one? The day I turned 18. Tattoo I got the day that I turned 18. Uh, I got a book, and you know, my my dad's a uh, a Jewish guy, and so I I got a book, and it, it it said like Hebrew to English trans translation, and I I I got the word music tattooed on back in Hebrew, but it's actually not the word music. 
It's oh, like no. it doesn't actually say anything. So I'll be at like the gym at Equinox and guys are like, what does it say on your back? And I'm like, oh, it's my, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I'm like that cliche guy that got the misspelled music tattoo on my back. That's oh, my that. Have you ever turned anybody down? Have you ever like listened to their song and be like, eh? Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know? Yeah. Um, it just, it, it all depends on the situation for me because sometimes I'll hear stuff that isn't that great, but um, but there's something about it that I still like. And I want to, I, I, I want to try to explore that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I try to work on stuff that I really like. It's hard. It's really hard to work on something that you just don't like. Yeah. Um, like you, I got to be inspired. You know, it, the, you, the listener can hear that the vibe in the studio is very important. Um, and there's no good vibe if the songs aren't great, you know? Do you remember the very first song that you produced? I, no, not really, because, I mean, you know, I've been making recordings since I was a kid, and, um, you know, what I've about always... like the What about, like, the first one that, like, went somewhere? Do you, like, what's your first memorable one? Well, I mean, I was, you know, I, I played in a, in a rock band for a long time, so other than those recordings that I was involved in, I, rec- I produced this band called The Black Moods from Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. That was the first record that I put my name on as produced by. Oh, okay. And that was probably in 2004. Or 2003. I also have here that you're a songwriter. So how many songs have you written? And do you write for people that are musicians? Do you have them play your stuff? Um, yeah, I, I've probably written thousands of songs in my life. Uh, you know, I, I, I write a lot with my clients. Um, you know, so if somebody has like an idea, I love lyrics. You know, I think the production and songwriting are, are similar. Um, and so, you know, you really have to shape the song itself when you're producing. It's not just like recording the song in a, in a certain way. So I, I kind of write with all my clients, but um, some of them I write with more than others. Uh, you know, I wrote with Night Riots a lot. Um, I wrote, I write with Moon Fever a pretty good amount. Uh, Moon Fever is a killer rock band you guys should check out. And uh, I wrote a lot with the, I wrote a lot with the Black Moons, but you know, the older I get, the less I write really um, because uh, I'm always just recording these, these amazing songs by these guys that are, you know, really super talented artists. Yeah. Uh, but I love, I love songwriting. I, I need to do it more. Kind of like, kind of have to think about songwriting, like, like doing yoga or going to the gym. You just got to do it every day and yeah. you get muscle up. Um, and I just don't, I don't, I don't have enough time to practice that as much as I want to anymore. Cause I'm doing a lot of uh, a lot of mixing and a lot of technical stuff. Yeah, you're busy. What are you What are you working on right now? Um, well, I just had a baby, so I'm kind of not. I finished up a lot of projects. Um, you know, the, the, during the pandemic, there was a lot of open stuff. Um, you know, and so closing all that stuff that was open took a long time, um, and I kind of got everything closed. Um, but um, when, you know, I'm working a lot with Nathan Harrington, um, my reggae guy. That's coming up uh getting back in with him i just finished the finished ticket record which is um you know i've been working on for two and a half years or something um i'm mixing uh and and co-producing a new danny warsnop record with uh matt good uh and that's that's coming in like we're just releasing singles i think we're on the second single comes out uh april 10th um there's a nathan song that comes out i, I don't know when this is going to be released but there's a nathan song that comes out tomorrow and a Moon Fever EP is coming out at the end of this month on the 30th. Okay. Um, with that, there's a, 
a song called Payphone Blues, which is the single off the EP. And that's my favorite song that we have that I've done with them. So, oh, you know, what? I was looking at uh, some of your your stuff. I ran into what is called Kaufman's Creations. Oh, yeah. My playlist. Your Spotify. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just starting to do like a whole brand relaunch. Um, and so like I got a new website and jimkoffmanproductions.com and, and I, I, uh, I did, I'm shooting, I shot a bunch of content. So I'm just starting like to roll all that stuff out. And that playlist is where I will be updating um, all of my new releases that come out. You know, usually like, you know, every Friday or two or three Fridays a month, I have something coming out. You know? Yeah. It, it, I was shocked at how good, I, so I listened to all of them. <laughs> um, but like very good. I feel like people everywhere should should hear that. So good yeah, job, of, you. <laughs> I have a lot of bands that I believe in that I'm that I'm that I've been developing, you mm -hmm. know, for a long time. That are um, that really were hurt by this pandemic. You know, had a lot of had a lot of um, a lot of inertia um, and a lot of momentum, and uh, and then couldn't play a show and still hasn't played yeah. a show. So. But it's been a great time to go back and refine and and to songwrite and to kind of gear up and record, and, yeah, yeah, you know. But even then, you got to do it safely. So it's just um, it's just been a, it's been a really hard year for the music business. Yeah, um, yeah, but for everybody. Let's talk about um, the Saw movie. Okay, yeah. Um, so you know, when I moved to California, I, I was coming out to California a lot. I lived in Phoenix. We, I was in a, a, a rock band called Opiate for the Masses. Uh, Charlie Clouser produced my band. Uh, Charlie was a keyboard player from Nine Inch Nails. Um, and I, we started working with Charlie, I think right after he left Nine Nails and um, before he started scoring the Saw films. Um, mm -hmm. and he's done the music for all of the Saw films. Um, and I just, um, I was he did a, a record for, for us. And then I assisted him for a little bit. Um, during that time period, he got the helmet job. I mean, I'm sorry, the saw movie job and we were doing a helmet record at the time. Um, so we kind of divided and conquered and, and, you know, did both of the projects at the same time. And at the time, no one had, no one had even seen saw because it was still being worked on. I saw like an eight minute short that they showed Charlie before he started working on it. That was actually, the precursor to saw uh -huh. that was that scared me so much um, oh my gosh but, uh, <laughs> it was just scary. It's, i mean there's a there's a huge franchise they were like the, they're the most successful franchise of all times uh, i know and how amazing that you're kind of connected with them so you produced what for them then just like no i i i just assisted charlie um they're the composer oh yeah uh, during the making of saw one and then um and then I think actually I had a song on Saw 3, which uh, I just totally forgot about. But then I saw today uh, my band, Opiate for the Masses, had a song on the Saw 3 soundtrack. Oh, uh, wow. But, you know, I was, I was around when Charlie was writing all those big themes and, and we're still good friends. Um, I actually managed to see him once during the pandemic, you know, masked in the backyard kind of thing. Of course, yeah. <laughs> we do Thanksgiving together. Our birthdays are like the, a day apart. So we do our birthdays at the same time. And oh. But yeah, he's a he's great, and they've been doing a bunch of Saw movies, and he's done like nine of them now. Oh my gosh! Uh, and he also did like a he's just a, a great guy, super smart, and I, I was you know blessed to have learned um, some stuff from him. So, what's your favorite thing to do? So you're you you play music, you write music, you produce 
your music, other people's music. You compose, you help people compose. You've done stuff for movies. You're, you've done all these high-end things, but like, what is your wheelhouse? Like what's your, like your uh, thing? I love making rock records, uh, yeah. and, and alternative rock and rock records. I, I like making, I like producing rock bands. Nice. Yeah. Well, I have a very good friend of mine uh, who is on FM radio over in England and he's always looking for new people. Um, so uh, if you get somebody pretty good or get a good song, let me know and I'll yeah. shoot it over. We'll, we'll put it on FM in England. <laughs> Great. What got you like started into wanting to do this for a living? Like, was that difficult as far as financials? Um, no, I mean, you know, again, for me, I was always playing music. So this was like a super easy transition for me because like I was playing music. I started writing songs. The bands that I was in started working in studios. So I was working with big producers and engineers and, and I, I started to understand gear. Um, and then you can start really small. Like, you know, and as I said, as we said before, kids can make records on laptops, you know, it wasn't yeah. as easy back when I was doing it, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Um, but it was pretty easy. You know, they, you know, I still, we still had some, pretty primitive digital audio recording devices. And um, it just, you know, I think there's a lot of competition, um, but, you know, coming up the way that I came up, which is, you know, always being in music, I, I just kind of, it just made a lot of sense for me. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, and it, it's, it's hard work and it takes a really tedious mind. Like it's, it's, it, you have to kind of be OCD, you know, yeah. to, to stop. and so, and I, I, I just, my personality kind of fits that. So did you have a secondary job while you were kind of like building your brand? Um, well, no, the, the thing is, is like production was my secondary job, you know, because mm. I was an artist, I was in a band, you know, and we toured and, we, and then I started to produce other bands on the side while I was doing my job. I mean, I had other jobs like, you know, in, in high school, like I was the, you know, the bread guy at a cafe for, uh, you know, the summertime. And I did yeah. that but um but you know when production you know it was it was a pretty easy thing for me to, to stop wanting to do the being an artist thing and switch over to production because i was making way more money producing than i was as an artist and i was like well this doesn't make any sense anymore yeah um, is very expensive and, and very hard to do yeah so. I know with uh, with production, there's a lot of back end that people don't realize that goes into it. You know, they you put out a song, you're you know you're in the studio, it looks great, you're toggling with all the switches, and people think it's fun. There's a lot that goes into the back end. How much time do you spend like editing? Uh, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of time editing. Uh, I was saying, I actually had this conversation yesterday with somebody that I would say about. I would say about one eighth to one sixteenth of the time uh, that we're working, we're actually working with an artist um, or, or actually recording something. Um, it takes a lot of time to edit and to kind of put the magic sauce on stuff in post. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely tedious. I have a full-time editor um, that edits now remotely. So, um, I, you know, I'll just send him stuff and he gets on my computer and sends it to himself and he's editing all the time. I mean, it's like a 24 hour job is editing wow. uh, and at different times in the past i've had multiple editors on staff just because i mean right now i can only need one but um when things are really flowing and you've got multiple records going you kind of need to have an editor per record um 
and, and it's dedicated to that artist. And it's also, there's also an aesthetic to editing. You know, you can't use it as a, as a crutch. You need to use it as a paintbrush. And so some guys edit in a way that's, that would work for this band and some guys edit in a way that would work for that band. And so you kind of have to have a small, you know, circle of, of trusted young ninjas to, to do that. I like it. I like it. That's awesome. So, so it's not just you, you're, you're the boss and do you, how big of a team do you have? Well, it's just me and my assistant, Ryan, um, okay. Ryan, Porter, he's a genius. He's like 22 years old or 21 and he's, cool and he's, he's great. Um, and you know, he's, he's really good. He's probably the best assistant I've ever had. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, he's, I, mean, I, I don't think I've, I mean, I've had to hire a couple other guys during the time we've been together, but I think for about half of the time he's worked for me has been pandemic. Um, so, um, it's kind of hard to say, uh, but he's amazing. I love him. He adds tons of value to my recordings. Um, he's a great guy. That's awesome. And I have a manager. Um, you know, so there's a manager on the team and he's kind of bigger picture, um, does my paperwork and, and kind of guides me as far as, you know, what I should be doing, what I should be focusing on. Um, you know, so it's two men in the room and then a manager out. Okay. Nice. What role? So you said the manager's out of the room. What role does he play? Like, do you have, to, what do you call him? When does he come in? Um, well, again, he does my paperwork. So like if, if somebody calls and says, they'll either call him or call me, say, hey, I want to do a record with Jim. And, you know, he'll get the numbers right and get all of it documented. And, and he sends me a little DocuSign thing that I sign. Oh, nice. so be focusing on like doing a business deal with right. the person who be making this, you know, having this artistic endeavor with. It, it kind of poisons the well. So I let him deal with the money and, and the negotiation stuff. Yeah. Also a great, he's also a great friend of mine um, and um, I really like him and he he is you know he's a bigger picture like this is where you need to be focusing and this you shouldn't be focusing on that and he kind of guides my career um, mm -hmm. um, yeah so you know with all of this this being your passion the things that you love and um, and with the new baby and everything how do you how do you find the time to kind of digress and like, you know, take a day off. Do you, do you have a specific day off? Do you have to like um, put I, yourself in check? <laughs> not good with days off. Um, I actually don't really like days off. Uh, I, I like to kind of constantly be working. It's very hard on my family, uh, but you know, they're accepting of it. They understood that's who I have always been. Um, yeah. you know, and, and it, you know, I, on top of the production business, I have some other businesses. So it's, there is kind of a constant need to be on the phone um, dealing with stuff. Wow. Uh, some of the stuff that I do is more like, you know, that I have to rely on, on being in contact with other businesses that are only open for a certain period of time. Uh, so like daytime to get really, really busy. And then yeah. at night I need to work on some music stuff because I haven't been able to finish that. And yeah. it's, it's just, you know, juggling, but I, you know, I wouldn't change it for anything. I love being busy. Yeah, you're you're very you're yeah you're you're like you have that spirit of like the entrepreneurial, you know, always want to be busy kind of guy. Um, what does what's the end game for you? Like like what do you want to accomplish with your career? Um, you know, I just I just really want as many people as possible to hear the hear my recordings, and um, I want to see the bands that I've you know been in the trenches with for a long time really 
you know, get to be able to play in the stadiums that I think they deserve to be to, to play in. Um, I, you know, until my ears go, I'll be making records. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm almost 40. I've given myself probably 30 more years of being able to hear at that level. My dad's like, pretty yeah. um, so I, I, and he's 80. So if I'm anything like my dad, then I'll be out of the game by then. But, um, but who knows? I mean, you know, with Western medicine, they could be able to just tune me up. And- exactly. I know. I'm already, <laughs> my neighbors are already like yelling at me. Um, have you, are you involved with any uh, nonprofit organizations or anything? Like, do you do any music for, um, for anything that you want to kind of plug? Well, when I was younger, I, I used to do a lot, a lot more stuff. Like when I lived in Hollywood, um, I was uh, involved in some like homeless shelters and I would go down and uh, teach guitar lessons and stuff like that. And, um, you know, honestly, on the West side, I, I, I've been living in Santa Monica for five years and I, I don't have a lot of time to do that. I wish I did more. My friend John has this um, uh, company called um, nonprofit called Drop in the Bucket, which is uh, he goes and builds wells in Africa. So oh, if you're wow. of John, uh, Travis and, and Drop in the Bucket, he's saving lives. And uh, John actually is one of my mentors, he's a record producer that um, stopped making records and, and started saving the world. And I, I think he's, he's kind of my hero. So. Aww. So not everyone is musical, Jim. So um, I Googled uh, music producer uh, and um, I had the first person that popped up was Simon Gell. Okay. Right? Okay. Cause like they, you know, apparently he's the richest producer, right? Music producer. Yeah. So, I mean- I guess I don't really I don't know if I consider him a, a, like a I guess like, I know <laughs> a producer might be different if you Google that I mean something's great um, I actually did some work with that um, with this kid um, wow let me remember his name this is not good oh okay I actually did some work with this kid Cody Lee who won uh, America's Got Talent last year yes uh, and uh, you know I met I met him like you know a month or two maybe two months before he won. Um, and we did some recording at my house and I'm friends with his vocal coach uh, and you know, he's autistic and blind, um, this kid. And he just is, and he's amazing. Like, you know, he play in Bohemian Rhapsody one time and he can play it in a different key, you know, and sing it to you. No problem. You oh know? my gosh. And he's the sweetest kid. His mom's great. And uh, so I got to go see him win that. Um, you know, my, 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 my girl and her family were there. It was really, it was really a beautiful moment. Uh, and he's a, he's a really sweet kid, but, um, yeah, I guess Simon, like he produces that show probably mm-hmm, uh, he does yeah about that, but, um, you know, maybe he produces records that, you know, I just don't know. <laughs> Do you know, he, he, I think he, he put one direction together, didn't he? I, I, yeah. Yeah. But I feel that's like more of like an executive producer. I know. I know. I don't really know if he did the record producing. Like I, I feel know. Like probably did that. Right. He's kind of coming in the back end of that, that title there, isn't he? (laughs) I have no idea. Maybe. Who's, who's someone that inspires you other than uh, your friend with a nonprofit? Um, I mean, you know, record producer wise, Rick Rubin is the, you know, kind of the, 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 the best. That's a really hard question. Who do I inspire? I mean, I don't, I have no idea. Do, Do you ever have like producer wars where you're like, ha, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sure. It's, it's, it's super competitive. Uh, you know, guys that produce that, you know, we're on a team for a while and then we're not on that team. And we're like, <laughs> Oh, and then we listen to each other's songs and we're like, that's not good. But we never, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, dude, I didn't want to like your song, but I really like your song, dude. You know, 
Um, yeah. But it's mostly, it's a very small industry and we're mostly extremely supportive for one another. Um, yeah. Thing to be able to make music. So it's like, you know, if you're throwing attitude and you're, and you're like trying to start wars, you probably should, you probably should pick a different job, you know, like, yeah, yeah. this is just it's really not about us. Like record production is nothing to do with you. It's about the artist or you're doing it wrong. You know, um, I just had a podcast a couple of days ago with a band called the Liliac band. Have you heard of them? No, but I'll have to check them out. Yeah, they're uh, they're pretty big. They were uh, they're a family band, and they got famous on Santa Monica Pier because they always played there. Uh, their dad's from Transylvania. Anyway, the podcast will be oh, it's up. The podcast is up, so you can go to TikTok and listen to that. Um, uh, but yeah, they're independent, and they're what's their name? I'm just gonna Liliac. So L I L. Yeah. I A C Liliac and then yeah. their Instagram's Liliac band. And uh, if you go to Spotify, if you go to my Nick talk, you'll see uh, that's our last interview. Yes. I will go check that out. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I will listen to it. Yeah. And uh, he does a little bit of the producing, but he's like kind of a data manager. So um, I think he could probably just, he, they're, they're independent, just, I don't know. I don't know who to help here. Like, like I was, I was wondering who contacts you, like what kind of person, like if they're an independent, like this guy's a dad, right? His whole family is a band. Like, would he contact you to make the music, to make the connections? Like, how does that, how does it work with you being in the industry? Like, what are you in uh like, I mean, yeah, he could totally contact me. Anybody, you know, it's like, it's like, it's a, uh, you got to wear a lot of hats in the music business as well, you know, okay. like music and everybody needs something different, you know, um, some people need to be uh, managed more. Some people need to have their songs produced the right way. Some people have the songs produced the right way and don't know people to get them exploited. Some people have these great songs. And so, you know, I just want to help. Um, yeah. And I talk to a lot of people. I'll talk to anybody about music for like D Snyder or whatever, he just comes over and sings for three hours. You know, my studio is more like, you know, my studio is at my house. It's in my guest house. Um, so my studio is like a guest house that, and I love that it's like right there kind of thing. So I try not to like have it be a commercial space um, where like people just rent it out that I don't know. But um, I, uh, I definitely, if, you know, if you ever need any recordings, just let me know. I'm here. So what's next for you? I'm just waiting for the world to start. I've got some great records booked. I'm going to do some more work with Beware Darkness coming up, which is great. Um, we're actually going to get in in about a week and, and do some uh, acoustic versions of the songs that we did on, on Are You Real, which came out in 2016. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really hard to know what's going on in the future right now because no one knows when they're going to be able to tour or not. So I have yeah. a lot records that are that might happen but if the tour is open then some people might go out on tour for a while um yeah. but it's, it's just been really hard so um you know do you have any cool bands um that might be like radio ready that you wouldn't mind like being the person that introduced them into to radio yeah i mean i think i think moon fever is radio ready uh rock band and i think finish ticket um, I keep bringing these bands up because they're like my two two favorite bands um, that I work with. They're great. Finish Ticket. I'll send you some Finish Ticket songs if you want to check them out. Awesome. Yeah. They're awesome. And then, you know, Moon Fever, 
um, on Spotify, uh, you know, there's a couple songs that, that we've done and, and we're just going to keep releasing songs every five or six weeks. Um, okay. So, you know, right now, this month I have three songs coming out. Next month I have four songs coming out. Um, so it's just, you know, just constantly releasing and trying to keep people's attention in this crazy world when no one knows the, what's going to happen in the future. Um, it was wonderful just chatting with you and getting to know you and talk to you a little bit. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, how can people follow you? Uh, well, my Instagram is Jim Kaufman Productions. My website is jimkaufmanproductions.com. Uh, and there's contact, uh, you know, you can contact me via my website. So send me your daughter's music. I'd love to hear the song. You can email it to me or whatever. I will for sure. Thank you so much for coming on with me. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.